Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. who is a pretty amazing guy. We met him first when he was a speaker at Perry's high school graduation at the Henry Viscardi School. And Mr. Sanaki has an amazing story. What impressed us most about him probably was his resiliency, his ability to communicate to the graduates. Wanted you to tell us about your life and what you do, because I think people are very interested in hearing your job. A while since I was at the graduation, where I, I tried to give an inspirational speech to the graduates, leaving high school, and I encouraged everyone, including Perry, to, you know, follow your dreams. Don't let your disability stop you. And, you know, the world is our oyster, too. And so I've lived by that. Um, I did uh, break my neck in a surfing accident, and it's appropriate since I have a little background showing the the surf. I still love the water. Um, At 25 years old, I I was body surfing in Puerto Rico and hit a sandbar and broke my neck, and that changed my life. And when I talk about this, I tell people it had taken me five years to really get my head around what had happened to me because you're able-bodied once and the next moment you're not and you've got to learn how to cope with that accident and figure out what you're going to do. Fortunately, I was working for the IBM Corporation at the time and they asked me to come back to work and I, I went back to work after recuperating from the NYU Rusk Institute and I I built a new career for myself. And so I was fortunate to have a job and go in one day a week and then two days and then until I could build up and go in daily uh, and and build a career. I retired at IBM after 39 years and I retired to Boston. And while I was home with my wife, um, I got a call from JP Morgan Chase to ask me to go work for them to talk about uh, and build a program around disability inclusion. And so I've been there uh, four years hiring people with disabilities, building up a program, and hopefully talking about our community in a way that people could see us as active members of society who can contribute to a business. It's interesting because Perry and I have had this conversation with other people that we've interviewed. How do you get companies to look at you as an individual who happens to have a disability, who's talking to you and you're interviewing them, as opposed to somebody who has a disability, I don't think you're going to fit into this company. How do you think that culture is going to change? Of course, where you are now, 
they sought you out, they created the program. So obviously they were very aggressive with that and every company should be like that, but that's not the way the world is. The world has changed and they, um, they recruited me and said, Jim, we want to do this. Um, we, we've done it with the other groups, all the diversity groups, that, but we, we can't figure out quite how to do it with the disability community because um, we're so different in terms of our disabilities, where we are, we face transportation issues, education issues, employment issues, but it was important to the bank, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And so I had to respect the company like that. And I've been thankful about my career in terms of that I've worked for two great companies. I've never been unemployed in 39 years. And, it, and it's a testimony to good education, uh, people that don't give up and try to contribute the best that you can. And, and, and schooling is so important as, as I told the graduates when Perry was in the audience because people hire you for what's between your ears not whether you sit in a wheelchair or, you know, have something wrong with your arm or you're deaf or you're blind. I mean, we can think and we can contribute and that's what's important. Watching Perry go through school, I find that she still has to work four times as hard to get noticed or, you know, teachers initially when they see Perry and I, I sit in class with her, I act as a nurse when we're physically in school and not, you know, getting taught online like we have been this past semester. Initially, people are very, you know, kids in the class who don't know her and teachers, they're very cautious and they don't know. And then once she starts opening her mouth and raising her hand and asking questions and presenting herself in a certain way, then they look at her differently. Um, she's not the girl who nobody wants to be within a group. Now they're like, Perry, we want to be in your group because we know you really do research kind of thing. But, you know, luckily she has that going for her. But I see she has to work four times as hard as anybody else. You, you do. The, the, what I've learned in, in my lifetime is that we have a responsibility as disabled people and disabled executives and workers and uh, whatever titles we have to reach out to make people feel comfortable with us. And, and as long as we know what the, what the able-bodied person is thinking, somebody who's thinking, and, and I've tested this myself in my lifetime, they're worried about two things. Are they gonna be politically incorrect when they meet us? Or are they gonna catch something we have? Because they don't know. They, they don't know about the unknown and our, our lack of being able-bodied like everybody else is, physically is uncomfortable for people and you have to know that so um it takes time to get your head around that um and it takes time for others to notice what you're capable of and and i would never have wanted to be hired by any company uh because i'm disabled and so i had to qualify for this job i took i had an interview for it um, and I went through a, quite a bit of interviewing with a number of executives at the firm and, you know, they put me to the test. And so it's, it's what you have between your ears that you qualify for these jobs. 
Um, and everyone that we hire is qualified to be there, whether they're disabled, black, a woman, um, Asian, Hispanic, whatever the diversity spectrum is, these people are qualified. The one difference that we have is that as disabled people, we need accommodations because we can't interact with the physical plant, if you will, opening doors, um, climbing stairs, whatever it is. And so what, the, what our bank has done is build an accommodations team that helps uh, people who are disabled. And if there's an automatic door needed in a building, we put it in. If there's a ramp needed, we put it in. As we build new buildings, we build to the ADA code. So I've got people from real estate, legal, medical, um, employee relations, um, accounting. Uh, everyone is involved with some form of making it work for people who are different. And I, and I think in the 21st century, um, we're making great strides with this. It, it's really working. And technology is keeping up with you. Tech, exactly. Tech is so important. You're exactly, I have a technology team that works on accessibility for the bank. Would like to meet them, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, They're quite good, by the way. They're quite good. We actually, we go to Russ Assistant Technology, um, and they've been amazing. Rusk is where I did my rehabilitation for eight months. Right, so they're, they're very good. They're terrific, yes. What I loved about the speech that you gave at Perry's graduation was how you related to the superheroes. You're a big comic book. I am, I still am. I actually said that some of the great comic book heroes of our time either had a disability that they overcame or they used the disability to their advantage. And... Super abled, and and that I think empowers people who have a disability to hear that it's shifting, wrapping your brain around hearing the same thing that you've heard your whole life, but looking at it from a different perspective that actually now gives you power. And incredible, um, I think even young children to hear that would be so awesome because they would feel like Superman and Superwoman. Well, it's a great analogy in terms of. A lot of able-bodied people, I got to say the majority, right? I really don't know how many disabled people pick that book up and, and do it. I was an avid comic reader when I was a young person, a kid. And I have the Daredevil series from number one all the way up to like 150. I collected for a long time and saved. I love the stories. And it made me an avid reader. And as I, after I was, I became disabled, I realized that almost all of our superheroes have some kind of disability that gave them more power. Um, you, you could talk about Daredevil, you could talk about Spider-Man, you could talk about the help where they transform into these super strong beings and, and most of them are good guys, right? And so I learned that we actually idolize our superheroes, not realizing that they have uh, deformities and disabilities, that they change. And that's what happens to us when, whether we're born or have an accident after, or age and lose our hearing or our eyesight, um, we become in effect a model of a superhero because instead of giving up, I hope the majority of us 
work on trying to be strong and use what we have left to become a superhero. How many times have, and, and you just described it with Perry, I can't believe you did that. We want to hang out with you. You know, you're so interesting. You're this, you're that. And we're regular people, but because we persevere, we have resilience, um, it, it makes other people interested in us and even admires us to, in terms of what we do and how we do it. Most people uh, dread becoming disabled. I've had people tell me, Jim, I, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't be paralyzed in a chair. I said, I don't have a choice. The other choice I have is not a good one. And so I'd rather live as, as best I can and, and try to contribute and try to give back. Right, for sure. Um, and I know Perry, you probably feel the same, the same way. Like Perry, I was telling you, is, is gonna be doing her 10th marathon in January. Hopefully she started just taking one step and then she started walking like a mile or two miles. And why does she do it? She does it because she wants to create awareness of the charity, High Lifeline, the nonprofit that we raise for. But she's also doing it because she wants to, she wants to do it for herself to set goals because she's a very goal-oriented person. She wants to see how far she can go and what she can accomplish because every year is different. There's always something else wrong and something else hurts and something's not fitting right. But she also wants to inspire other people to get up and do something that you never thought possible and just dream and work towards it because it's hard work. It's not easy. Nothing in life is easy, I think, that's worthwhile. And that's a message that I think people, if they can bring that across, is so important for other people to hear. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. I, I, look, not all of us, you know, wake up every day wondering what the day is going to uh, bring. And many people give up because it's, it's very hard. And many people don't. And, uh, you know, when, when I think about what I try to do is what choice do I have then, then to just try my best? I, I, you know, the other choice is not reasonable for me, right? To just give up. And I, I think that it, it, it every day and everybody faces this, whether you're disabled or not, you have to decide, you know, which lane are you going to be in? Are you going to be in the lane where you're going to try to work and help other people or are you, are you just going to give up and you have the right to give up but i'm uh, i'd rather go as far as i can and help as many other people as i can and i'm sure you you have children of your own correct i think i have i have uh i have uh with my wife i have uh two children a boy and a girl uh they're both uh, uh my daughter's married uh, my son is getting married and we have two grandchildren and so we have families like everybody else does, and except, you know, the dad's in the wheelchair. But I have two great uh, granddaughters that are terrific to be around. And, uh, you know, your, your kids will give you headaches and they'll give you a lot of laughter. Right. So you, you take them both, you know, you take them as they are. I think laughter is, is the way to get through life. Because if you can't laugh, you know, things are sad. You yeah. Sad, but if you can't laugh at the, at, some things in life or most things then you know what is there 